You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Hi, welcome today to today's episode. I'm Claire Pedrick and today I'm in the good company of three lovely coaches, Beatrice Sornick, Siobhan Cahalan and Todd Roach. Welcome Beatrice, Siobhan and Todd. It's lovely to have you at the Coaching Inn. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Beatrice, start with you because you're the one who made the connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hi, so I'm, I'm Beatrice and I'm a coach specializing in career transitions. Um, so I work with people who take on a first leadership role or uh, perhaps um, navigating a transition out of the industry that they're working in or um, starting a business. Um, and I'm also a, a supervisor, um, qualified supervisor. And in my supervision, I have a few particular interests around transactional analysis, um, Jungian psychology and the trait of HSP or highly sensitive person. OK, brilliant. And that really connects, doesn't it, with our theme for today? which is talking about empathy. So I'm really interested in what you've got to say about that, Beatrice. So Siobhan, hello. Hello, good morning. Yeah, my name is Siobhan. I'm a coach specializing in governance and I help organizations strengthen their governance. And I'm also a coaching supervisor. And um, yeah, I have an interest in coach maturity. Interesting. Thank you. So that's going to really give us some insight today. And Todd, welcome. Thank you, Claire. Um, also a coach and a supervisor. I've come by way of uh, being in the music industry, being a musician, working in cams, being quite woo and exploring a lot of the alternative world. And I think bringing all that to bear in coaching for me is about exploring the wild edges of ourselves. And I suppose a quest to wholeness. How can we as people and as coaches be our full selves bring that to bear on our mission in a healthy, holistic way. Fantastic. So we're going to have a great conversation. I could feel it already. So empathy is really important for coaches, right? And yet too little empathy is a car crash, but too much empathy. Well, what does too much empathy do? I wonder. I love how you just dropped the question. <laughs> when I hear you saying that, Claire, um, too much empathy, I'm wondering, um, does that fall into the bracket of sympathy, maybe? And, oh. um, I mean, maybe we can never have too much empathy, really. Um, but it just it crosses that line. Yeah, and as you say that, it raises a question in me about whether this is about how we offer it and also it's about how it's received. Because mm -hmm. I might be being empathic, but if you're receiving it as sympathy, that's different. So I guess how would we define empathy? What is it? I think for me, it's the ability to put yourself in another person's shoes and perhaps feel their experience. Say more. 
Um, actually, my mind was still going back to your, your previous <laughs> question around too much empathy. And I don't know if, because I think for me, empathy just is. But I think what can happen, the too muchness was how is how we use it. Mm. And sometimes when we work with coaches, we might hear language like, I feel very close to my client's issue. I don't know where I end and my client begins. Um, I feel like I absorb their problems. I feel like in the weeds with them and I feel very, I buy into their story. So these are all signals where perhaps empathy um, has been taken to, to an extreme where it isn't helpful for the coach or for the client. As you were saying that, it made me think about merging. There's almost, there's a risk of, of, of feeling merged mm-hmm. or being merged or appearing to, fe- to seem merged with them where that boundary is lost. Is that, mm-hmm. yeah. Todd, you look like you had something to say. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's making me think of reading some of Carl Rogers' material. He always talks about the as if. You know, walking in the client's world, getting close to their experience as we can, you know, as if we were them, but never losing the as if quality. We're not actually becoming them. And I love your word merging that speaks to that blurringness of us and them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing, I suppose, when you said what's too much empathy, and I love what Siobhan said on that. So and obviously I'm virtuous. Um, it made me think of the, the being in the river, I suppose, when I feel like being empathic with somebody, certainly an emotional connection, I'm, I, I might move into the river of feeling, but then I don't want to get pulled away in the current and then dragged downstream. And there's something about that, for me, becomes too much when I, when I lose myself, when I lose my footing and my ability to hold space, and I just get swept away in the current of their, them. Mm with them or as them even if oh, i've gone too yeah. far if i've really blurred then it's yeah. like who am i am i them i mean i, I haven't yeah. really gone that far but that that's the edge i sort of might be aware of yeah and i love the i love the statement about there's a there's an english phrase about i can't see the wood for the trees and there's a question for me about what position do we take in coaching or actually indeed in supervision which allows and facilitates the person that we're working with to look at their stuff from a different place and, and changing the metaphor on your river slightly, if I may, it's almost as though you're describing there getting lost in the forest with them when actually the role of the coaching is to, is to support them to stand back a bit. Mm -hmm. Or look at one tree at a time. It sounds like we're coming up, I think, with different definitions here of empathy. And I think, um, I suppose, as coaches, what we aspire to is mature empathy. Um, so we can um, feel the emotions of another and their feelings and also understand them and understand their perspective while not getting washed away, of course. Mm. And um, I think something maybe that can help us is having self-empathy then and kind of how do we empathize with ourselves? And 
yeah where where is that border then and then kind of also kind of translate that to others then mm. I'm really interested in that definition Siobhan because for me where I'm standing it feels like I, I can understand how it is for me but I can't fully understand how it is for another so um, I've got a little thing here on the side that says seek first to understand and then to be understood which I love is a little phrase that somebody embroidered for me after a coaching course years ago Seek first to understand and then to be understood. But I always have a question about what does understanding sound like, look like, be like, and where's the boundary of understanding? Because I can't live the life of another. Mm. Mm. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say that um, I really like that you were talking about the boundaries and also Siobhan was talking about the um, what mature empathy looks like. And I really like that idea of mature empathy. And in, in my mind, I almost had this spectrum where on one end you might have that empathy, the, the merged empathy, and then perhaps on the other end of the spectrum, you might have so much detachment that you see things very objectively. But I think what's important as as coaches and indeed as clients is how do we find that balance in between where in relationships we are able to have enough empathy to to perhaps resonate or understand uh, but not so much that we feel identified with the person's um, issue and still be able to have enough distance or perspective so that we can see ourselves outside of the cycles that perhaps we're repeating yeah there's a beautiful line in a poem by T.S. Eliot that says, teach me to care and not to care. Teach me to sit still, which I love. Because I think it holds what you've just described there, Beatrice, about it's almost about being in more than one place at once, isn't it? Or having the capacity to be on that scale in different places at the same time. And that's amazing when you think about it as humans, like as Beatrice says, you have over here maybe not feeling it at all, but then feeling it. And if you think what a quality that is, this invisible thing of going into another person and feeling what they feel, it's, it's really extraordinary when you think about that, actually. Mm. Mm. It's Beatrice, you just tantalizingly dropped in at the beginning of this conversation, the concept of highly sensitive people. So please say more about that in relation to empathy. Mm. Um, I mean, without going into the, the definitions and the technicalities of what it means, but one of the things that defines the, the highly sensitive uh, person trait um, is around empathy and emotional sensitivity. And this has been measured with brain scans, uh, which show that in the, I don't know the exact technical terms, but the brain area that's associated with mirror neurons, which essentially enables us to 
to feel or to experience what another person is experiencing, um, it's uh, significantly more activated for highly sensitive people. Um, so I think in a way, this is a very often in the highly sensitive community, people talk about it as a superpower of the highly sensitive people. But I think as with any superpower, there can also be the other, the reverse or the other side of the coin where um, we were talking about some of the um, the potential difficulties that that can pose because um, uh, without very healthy boundaries, we risk um, going into that space where we're um, perhaps too identified or too close to another person's experience, um, and I think for for us as for us for those of us who are highly sensitive coaches, um, I know a big part of my own journey as a highly sensitive coach was around efforting in the in the coaching space and when you're when you when you empathize you you tend to also put in more effort um and perhaps try to provide more value to clients and and other words along those lines and you've written a great post on linkedin which you've kindly had as a guest blog so coming up in a few weeks listen out for beatrice's blog on efforting because it's brilliant absolutely brilliant um yeah because for me when you wrote that blog and as you were speaking there I'm I'm thinking there's a risk that we carry away stuff Mm. from the end of the conversation that isn't ours as you say that Claire one thing that comes up for me is what's already come up for me around this this word intention or certainly what that means to me like if going back to that wood woodland exploring the forest thing i think if i'm not to get lost in in the woodland of the other then i think having an intention in myself as to what i'm even doing there in in service and so on really helps me feel tethered and perhaps find my way back like a literal thread in the woods and i think it's that same intention that helps me close off and not merge because i'm very clear about what i'm doing in the space where i begin and why where they end and when the session ends so that almost that intention even if it's just a cognitive thing or some might say an energetic thing just add a little bow on the end and bing it helps me come down as well as stay connected without getting lost because building on your beautiful picture there when you then meet the next person you've got to go into that conversation from a from a clean enough space that isn't in the middle of the last person's forest otherwise Ooh. it just gets absolutely <laughs> totally lost doesn't it i I, yeah. I live in the malvern hills and and there are lots of paths and there are woods and forests and all sorts of things and lots of people get lost when you know the woods well you know this is one wood and now i'm going into another wood but if you don't know the woods well, you can get really lost um, because there are just paths everywhere. And, and, and we, need to, we, need to know, we need to be physically out of a wood, don't we, before we go into the mm. next conversation. Mm, interesting. And the, the melody, it's like a jungle out there. Sometimes I wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> you know that rap song? <laughs> like if, we, if all our clients merge together, it does become a jungle. And perhaps as coaches, we then lose ourselves, lose our thread, and lose the person in front of us because we're still with the person behind us, for example. Which raises a brilliant question, 
which is for each one of us to have integrity thinking, how many sessions a day is right for me? And how much time do I need between sessions in order to do mm-hmm. the, the disconnecting and reconnecting thing? Healthy habits. Siobhan, you look like you've got something to say about that. You know, I suppose one thing I was thinking about is um, kind of, well, maybe as coaches, it's not that relevant, but I think on a more grander scale, how to kind of deal with people who don't have empathy. And, you know, can it be learned? I mean, we, we talk about now people with extreme or people with lots of empathy. But then maybe there's well coaches even uh, who 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 maybe don't have that much empathy, and maybe they struggle with that. So is there a way that we can that they can help themselves to become more empathic, really? And also in relationships, if I think about some relationships over the years and the ones that may not have been the best, what what was missing? And I think empathy possibly was missing. I will, you kind of have to meet, like you said earlier, Claire, it's about the receiving as well. And yeah, maybe that plays a bigger role than we know. Mm. And what's... We talked about the spectrum of merging and and distance, but but the people we work with probably have a spectrum of how much empathy is comfortable or appropriate or acceptable for them sorry I went on a little diversion in my head then (laughs) I have I have to now confess to all our podcast listeners my guilty pleasure which was to watch Married at First Sight Australia (laughs) you know sometimes you just need to switch off but interestingly because in the last series there was somebody whose behavior was you could describe it as interesting and there was an episode where she just went well I just don't have empathy And what was really interesting was the response of everyone else in the room. Because it was like naming something that people had been experiencing. But if you look on social media, now I'm really telling you my guilty secrets. If you search for this person on social media, she has been ostracized for saying that. Now, If it's normal to be a highly highly sensitive person and have a large amount of empathy, then it's also normal to be somebody who doesn't have very much because everything is normal, right? So just interesting, responding to what you said, Siobhan. Yeah, and hearing that, Claire, just intuitively, I don't know if I have anything to offer, so let's see. It brings to mind a client I had who was a very, the words, bordered off CEO type and as we had our sessions it seemed like his relationship with me and my willingness to walk in his share my feelings and my sense of his almost gave him some kind of isolated masculine siloed competitive self permission to start almost perhaps expressing his feelings a bit more but almost opening up some empathy in him that might have been kind of caged away not that he didn't necessarily have the capacity just thinking if we're talking about capacity but maybe even you know whatever it was his upbringing or his job just kept that kind of held back 
I suppose. So I suppose it makes me curious around how perhaps the way we are with our clients can can give them permission to become empathic or explore their feeling realm more. It it feels like you gave him permission to have a little look. Yes. That was a that would have been a much shorter, more succinct way of saying it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I like the way I like the way you said it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in the world, we don't all feel like we have got permission to have a little look. Yeah, and I wonder if we're talking on that spectrum, are there people who are really, really open, who have grown up thinking that they have to share more of themselves than they're comfortable with potentially and they are more open than they actually feel congruent and genuine about and they will I don't know I'm just thinking about being open and closed how much of that is innate how much of that is learned and how much is there a dial on it and the one that you just skipped that was in there which was how much is it is it expected you know Mm, how much are you in a context that feels like it expects you to turn it up or down I, uh, it, it triggers something um todd um i guess i was doing business coaching with somebody and after about the second session i knew actually she didn't have any like challenges in business as such she could handle all of that but there was a lot of other stuff and i said this isn't only business it's personal we can talk about both And it was from then on that, well, she started to cry and she started to share and all of that. So, yeah, it is really giving permission to to access like their whole self, really. Isn't that empathy? Feels like you've just brought in a beautiful definition of coaching, Marshall. Which is a place where you can be the whole of you. which is what you gave her permission to do, wasn't it? To be the whole of herself. So what insights have we had so far in this conversation in a good coaching checking in way? (laughs) I think it's been great to look at some of the, well, what we mean by empathy, but also the risks when it comes to empathy and even though perhaps we were talking about empathy in coaching and many coaches are highly empathic and for for many of us I think this trait is what draws us to coaching in the first place Um, but obviously there is a there is a great diversity of people and brains and minds within the coaching industry so I like that Siobhan brought up the um, idea of uh, developing empathy and how we develop that when perhaps we, we feel like we we are lacking it um, I think perhaps there there might be worth looking at how we um, how we can manage when we do experience these things in the coaching space when when we do feel too invested or too close to the client how do we navigate that as coaches might be an interesting one mm. 
Mm. So let's go there in a moment. Siobhan and Todd, where are we? What insights have you had? <laughs> um, to use Beatrice's word, um, mirroring. I suppose it's it's about mirroring, really, with our client. With our client. Um, so, yeah, so emotionally being with them and also cognitively understanding where they are and what perspective they're having. Mm. Mm. Todd? Yeah, I suppose just I, perhaps I'm still with that, a last point around this idea that I think sometimes we can identify as I'm not empathic or I'm super empathic or whatever is in, and perhaps build a kind of cognitive fixedness around that self-image. And this idea of maybe that that's more flexible than we might think, even depending who we're in relationship to, like Siobhan and I talking about our clients and and also I love you were your thought there, Claire, around appropriateness. So what's the appropriate amount of empathy for the role of a coach? And can we slide that up or down or whatever it is? And for the individual client, because I think you said earlier, Claire, as well, that there's times when perhaps the client in front of us might feel it's almost I didn't say this, but my sense of it was this, that's a bit too intimate. Now you're reaching too much into my heart. Can we just, we're not there yet. The rapport isn't there yet. So what's the appropriateness to the role, to the client at mm. the moment? Or it might be indeed, that's I. That's not what I need today. Perfect, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I have someone else who's offering me that connection. And mm. actually what I want from you as my coach in this moment is something else. Mm. One thing I'm, we haven't, so well. Go on. One thing we haven't. Well, Beatrice plopped something on the table of a possible to explore. You mentioned earlier as well the, the word understanding, Claire, and that really rung out for me because it made me think how that animals can be quite empathic. If we're sad, they might they might come up to us and snuggle us and so on. But if that empathy isn't communicated in certain ways, perhaps they understand to a degree, but not as fully as might be liberating to the parts of us that are struggling. So that idea in person-centred work of, it's one thing to have empathy, but what is it to communicate that empathy to the client so that it is then received rather than we're just sat there thinking, I'm so empathic, I know everything that's going on here, but they have no idea that we know. So just that 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 bridge across. And I'm still thinking about the river. That's my insight. So where should we go? So there's something about how do we manage when we experience empathy? And then there's how do we communicate that across to the client? So Beatrice, let's start with yours. How do we manage when we experience it? So how do we manage ourselves? Mm. So I guess the, the key question here is about whether we are conscious of it in the first place or we're just enacting it in a reactive way. Um, because if we've if we've had this pattern perhaps in in the past as well in our lives, um, then it's just an automatic thing and it it just happens. Once we see someone suffering, for example, we instantly feel their suffering, and we never really question that. We think it's normal, but when it's in the coaching space, it becomes emphasized first of all, and we can also see the downsides to that because uh, we can see ourselves not feeling as able to support our clients or to have that distance or perspective that's so helpful in the coaching space. Um, so I'd say the first um, step or the most important step is just being conscious of it and being able to check ourselves in a coaching session um, to see, am I, am I still in my center? Am I going towards my client? 
As you say that, it makes me think about a conversation I had with somebody yesterday who was talking about first aid training. And when they did first aid training, what they learned was that when you see an incident happen, you take a moment to just ground yourself and think about what you're going to do when you get there before you go. And that's almost, there's almost something, isn't there, about, about just staying in the moment for a moment. Because as you described that, Beatrice, my, my immediate thought was, what are, the, what are the bits of you that get switched off when, or get turned down when that bit gets turned right up? And then it goes back to the thing that we said earlier, which is what does this beautiful, little, unique individual who I'm with need from me right now? Because they might need it turned right up. And they might need the other thing turned right down, but they might need something else. And we don't know. Well, I guess. Siobhan. <clears throat> well, it's funny because if we're, if we're that empathic, we would know. <laughs> and um, it just... Um, so I think what you said there about the first aid, yeah, it's really about like taking a pause and thinking about what to do. And I suppose that's where silence comes in and just taking a moment um, to kind of feel where we are as coaches and feel where the client is. Um, um, there was something else coming through there. Um, yeah. Um, but also, I think empathy, it's not just about um, acknowledging someone's sadness or suffering. It's also acknowledging their their happiness. And I suppose that could be a way to break in empathy with a client, is to empathize with their good moments as well. Um, mm. The phrase that's come to my mind is a phrase that I've often used about intuition, but I've not thought about it in relation to empathy. But there's a psychotherapist called Nigel Wellings who says, never know first, never know better and never think, you know. So there's something for me about empathy. And partnership. So when you're on the. Highly empathic, really connected, slight risk of merging end. What's the impact that that has on partnership, because that will have an impact on partnership in the same way as the kind of dry, distant, disconnected feeling end will also have an impact on partnership. So mm. how we dance that dance together, where we're neither leading nor following and we're working together is a, is a really interesting thing that probably needs a lot of thinking about and another conversation in a few months time when we've all sat with it Todd what are you thinking oh there are so many points around there boop, 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 boop. I'll, I'll see what's on top <laughs> well to be honest the last thing I was thinking just then was um about partnership and and empathy and, and consent even ah. um I've been running these day sessions with clients that are really big coaching containers and I think because they're so long certainly from what I've done the volume can get really turned up in a way that almost makes considerations more audible let's say or, or tangible and because I've cut some of my clients are exploring their depths and their spirit uh, they 
there's this quite an intimate connection and that that can really go into eye gazing as well so i had quite a few moments where we'd be looking at each other and i would sort of ask really for consent to just really gaze into their eyes and have that exchange of um something and that's really intimate and in those moments there's a sort of an empathy that feels agreed to and also kind of felt almost like if you were going to reach your hand out and touch someone in the face you might sense their body recoiling but and, and sort of giving you a no, I'm not comfortable with that. But equally, if you're reaching out with your eyes and they're receiving you, there's a sort of dance between, wow, you're seeing me right now. And I see you seeing me. And there's just some kind of uh, intimate dance of understanding of essence, if I was going to sort of put a woo phrase on it. But my thought around that is it is a partnership because there is consent. Do you want to go there? That That's quite intimate, that kind of level of empathy. So I suppose that's just my jam on partnership. Um as it might go towards the more extreme e edge of uh, edge of coaching and self-exploration. And it sounded as you spoke there that you were talking about multiple permissions through the day. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which goes back to your word consent, which is a really interesting one, isn't it? And I suppose it makes me think of that lovely quote you said, which I can't say verbatim that, you know, about we don't think that we know the Nigel somebody or other. My memory's Nigel. so perfect. <laughs> Would you like me to repeat it? <laughs> please, Claire, please. Nigel Wellings, never know yeah. first. Yeah. Never know better. Yeah. Never think you know. Yeah. So I suppose there's that measure when I hear that about, about trusting ourselves as enough as a coach to not ask every single moment uh, but yeah, also respecting the client enough and your felt, you know, to to have agreement check-ins along the way of what it to them is an appropriate amount of empathy attunement on that day or like you say, in that moment. Mm. Mm. So much to think about. Has anyone got any good recommendations of things to read or ways to do work on this? I don't know why I said read first, because that's not always the best first option, is it? <laughs> so if one of our listeners was saying, actually, I think I'd like to do some more thinking around empathy or mm. more feeling around empathy, what mm. would your recommendation be? My personal experience with my own journey has been that there isn't a um, blueprint for how to manage your empathy as a coach because it's very individual and it's very charged with our history our past the patterns that perhaps we've repeated in previous jobs and so on um, and personally much to my frustration I have found that it's always the next step is always revealed at the right time, but there's only that one next step um, that's visible. Um, and what's really supported me um, to do to walk this journey as a coach, and I'm, I'm still walking it, obviously, um, has been supervision um, and just exploring these blind spots, because otherwise it's very difficult for me. Obviously, we, we all self-coach, we all reflect on our coaching, but it's very difficult to look at, to see our blind spots and to notice these things without um, someone like a supervisor. Mm. 
Thank you, Beatrice. So Siobhan and Todd, if there was one thing that you would offer to our listeners, what would it be? Um, to kind of nurture empathy, I think. Um, I suppose, yeah, actively listening um, can help to nurture it. And um, yeah, as we said, like pausing for a moment and thinking and maybe allowing the silence um, to tune in with how you are feeling and how your client is feeling. And um, <clears throat> I suppose empathy is kind of beyond words. It's not so much the words the client says, it's the feeling. So it's kind of accessing that and also their bodily expressions as well, the whole package, their words and their mm. expressions. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I'll leave that. Thank you. Thank you. And Todd? Uh, well, echoing things that Beatrice and Shivana said, but to not repeat. Um, yeah, I suppose it makes me think of something that my brain was Rubik's cubing its way through uh, last night as I was sleeping, which I was thinking to myself, what, what is in my empathy engine? Like, it's one thing to say as a coach, you know, be empathic, but but how does it happen? Or even why, you know? And I started to think for myself, it's not, it's not really that I read a book to be empathic. It's that as I started to look into that, I thought, wow, okay, there's, there's a sort of blend here between caring about the person and um, curiosity. I want to know how they feel and I care. And, and this, there's a competence piece in there. Um, so for me, I suppose it's perhaps the invitation to a, to a coach listening is to, to take the word empathy and unpack it. I think, what are the shades of that? Maybe there's different contexts, different people you feel inclined to want to know how they feel and different clients you actually maybe just don't care. Like I noticed, if I'm being totally honest, when I was started as a coach, it's like, this quest for your six pack, I'm not fussed. Like, you know, I, I, it's not the kind of work I want to do. So my empathyometer would be like, you know, I would have to really put effort into actually, to actually be engaged if I'm really honest. Yeah. So for me, it's yeah. choosing clients and working with people who are passionate about them and their mission. And then empathy becomes effortless. So perhaps there's something around unpacking all, all of that. What does empathy mean to us? And who are the people we're being empathic with in a client context? And what do they bring out of us in our empathic nature or not? Mm. Great things to take forward. Thank you. And thank you so much, all of you, for coming to the Coaching In and just opening up the topic of empathy. There'll be one or two other podcasts over the next few weeks and months around the same subject, looking at it from a completely different place, which will be exciting. So Beatrice, Siobhan and Todd, thank you. And how do people get in touch with you? Beatrice, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for this great conversation, Claire. Um, my website, BeatriceZornick.com. Um, and if you'd like to connect on LinkedIn, it's where I share thoughts, ideas, musings uh, around coaching and supervision. Um, so that would be the second place. Brilliant. Thank you. Very good posts from Beatrice on LinkedIn. Uh, the spellings of all these will be in the show notes. So you can go into the show notes and click on the hyperlink. Siobhan, how do people contact you? I'll copy Beatrice there. So my website is um, and also LinkedIn, of course. Okay, brilliant. And Todd? I'm going to go wild and say the same thing. My website, toddroach.com uh, and LinkedIn. And actually, I'll put out there, though, I don't mind voice messages. Some people think, oh, I just have to type. You know, I actually really quite like voice messages. So any, any kind of communication, be it typed or, or voice, is welcome. 
Brilliant. Well, Beatrice, Siobhan and Todd, thank you so much for coming to the Coaching Inn and we wish you a great day and all our listeners a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at the Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.